again ladies and gentlemen, Ghost Nobody here, ready to bring you chapter 85 of Radiance, my original Fallout fan fiction. As always, I do hope that you like, share and subscribe to this wherever you can. And if you can leave feedback wherever you can too, that would always be appreciated. Either at fanfiction.net, archiveofourown.org, or even at my own website, ghostnobody.com. Always appreciate anything you guys have got to say on the subject. It always gives me ideas and things to think on. And if, while you're at ghostnobody.com, you could either check out Storm Rider, if you like big sexy dragon-esque girls and other inhuman girls in a world of magic all fighting for freedom against the armies of death. Or you could pop over to the Ghostly Links section and check out Mortis, either on Smashwords or now as it is, on Amazon. Though, to be fair, you don't even have to go to my own website to do it. If you fancy picking up a copy, just go to, over to Amazon, either the main Amazon itself or to Kindle, Pop in Mortis by Ghost Nobody, and you'll take you straight to it. Now available on both platforms. So, without any further ado, let's get on with the show, shall we? Oh, but first, the usual legal disclaimer. I don't own Fallout or anything to do with it. That's all Bethesda. They can keep the bugs, glitches, and everything else. I'll just keep the crazy tales. They're all mine. Let's get on with the show. Chapter 85 Casting off the shackles. It took Fuller and Glory two solid hours to both calm down the scientists and escape synths, as well as to convince them that they not only meant no harm, but were who they said they were. It turned out one of the reasons that actually fled in the first place was a relationship between one of the scientists and her synth helper had blossomed, and they'd come to realise how very wrong what they were doing actually was. Given she knew the Institute's way of silencing its opponents by vanishing them and replacing them with synthetic duplicates, she decided to run, taking her lover with her. Well, as it turned out, she hadn't been the only one with that line of thinking, and there were rather a few within the Institute who felt what she did. Some of them were somewhat vocal about it, and this had led to her current comrades, and together they had hatched an escape plan. The female scientists who was one of their head biologists in charge of creating synthetic replicas of instinct species, and her lover made Fuller think of himself and Glory, a human and a synth who refused to let their differences get in the way of their feelings for one another, but it also reminded him of the ticking clock on their relationship, and it filled him with a great sadness. Teleportation, huh? I'll explain how they keep getting the damn hunter teams getting the drop on us and getting in close and vanishing before we even know they're there, Glory said thoughtfully. You guys have to help us. If they capture us, it's a death sentence for all of us, as they can't allow people to know that not only is there a way out, but there's an alternative to their way of thinking, the lead scientist, a woman called Justine, said imploringly, aiming it towards Fuller. Don't worry. We've got a plan to get you out. But first we um kind of need your help with a matter of great importance, Glory said before Fuller could respond. She turned and looked at her curiously. Anything. Please, just get us out of here before they send more courses after us, Justine said. Glory nodded and looked at Fuller. What's your Geiger reading? She asked and Fuller instinctively glanced at his dials. And to his surprise, it was actually incredibly low. I'm getting standard background rats. How is that possible? He exclaimed. It's caves lined with a mixture of minerals that absorbs radiation. 
It's kind of why we chose to hide out here in the first place. These suits won't last forever out there, you know. Just like that power armour of yours won't. Though granted it will last a great deal longer than this thing. But we needed a place that we could hide without the rads killing us off while we waited for the heat to be off us. So we could move out. But then the course has found us quicker than we would have hoped. Justine said, sounding forlorn. Makes sense. Oh, a nice trick with the death claws, by the way. Wallace said, making Justine nod and smile. Yeah, our field teams have observed how aggressive the females are when hunting for a mate. And we've seen them track males for miles, across all sorts of terrain, just for the chance to capture him. Those girls really are quite something, she said with a bit of a smile. I guess there's a lesson there. Never underestimate the power of horniness, Fuller said, making Glory punch his arm playfully and laugh, making his armour ring, his armour rig ring. Indeed. Now that you've removed them, we no longer have a cover screen here and we need to move out as soon as possible, Justine said, and both Fuller and Glory nodded in agreement. True, but tell me, can any of you perform surgery? Glory asked. Um, yes, three of us can. Why? Myself, both Richard here as well, as well as his sister there, Lilith. We're all in the biology team. They are my helpers and assistants. Uh, but I made sure they were trained to the highest standards. May I ask why? Justine said in confusion. Because we need you to remove a couple of tracking beacons. Fuller said now Justine looked horrified. Tracking beacons? He exclaimed in panic and Fuller put his hands up to calm her down. Don't worry, the signal's blocked here by the radiation. But if we lead this place with them still operating, it'll bring the ESF right down on our heads. He exclaimed, this seemed to calm her. Then she looked at him curiously. Enclave Special Forces? Here? She asked and Fuller was kind of impressed that she knew who they were. Yeah, I'm ex-ESF. Well, as in they believe I'm dead and buried... But no one truly ever leaves the ESF. It's kind of one of those tenets of joining it in the first place. You're in it till you die. Or in my case, until they believe you're dead. So yeah, took a bit of a hit out there on the way here. Kind of reactivated the damn chips on my body. So I'm thinking I really need to get these fuckers out of me. Or we'll have more than the Institute to worry about when we leave. Well, I said. And if we do this, you'll help us get out of here? And disappear? Justine asked hopefully and Glory nodded. Yes, we already have an exit strategy ready, and even an evac vehicle ready to go. All we need is the word, she said. All right, then. I'm not exactly thrilled about doing a surgery here under these conditions, but I must warn you, due to the non-sterile nature of this place, there is significant risk of an infection. We do have extremely powerful antibiotics with us, but, you know, still, Justine said and Fuller nodded. I understand, and I accept the risks. He said, and she nodded, before she turned to who she who he assumed was Richard. It was a tall man with a shock of messy blonde hair and bright blue eyes. Prep the place. We'll do this right now, she said, and he nodded, turned to a load of cases they brought with them and began pulling out what looked like fibre mesh covers. Do you know where the device is? She asked, and Fuller nodded. Devices, plural, and yes, I know where they are, he said, and she looked surprised, and he pointed them out listing them off while also warning her of potential booby traps and how to identify as well as disarm them if they were there. Well, it sounds like your former people are as paranoid as mine, she said and Fuller nodded and before stepping out of his power armour. 
Ain't that the truth? Oh, and call me Owl, by the way, he said. Interesting name, Owl. I'm guessing it's a code name of some kind? She asked, and he gestured for him to head towards a hastily prepped clean area, and he nodded in recognition. Yes. I heard the railroad was paranoid, until I had to do this. I always found it funny and quaint. Now I understand them. Doing this kind of shit with people always looking over your shoulders is a nightmare. It frays your nerves something rotten. I don't know how you people do it as a day job, she said. Because the reward is worth it, Fuller said, grinning at glory. Oh? And what reward is that, I might ask? Justine asked as she motioned for him to lay down on the sleeping bag come surgical mat. It was now covered with a clean sheet made of plastic resin. Well, let's just say you aren't the only one who knows the truth of the synthetic heart, Doctor, Fuller said as he laid down and looked up into a pop-up light rig that Richard was currently aiming at him. Oh? Oh, I see. And you know what? That makes me very happy, Justine said as the realisation dawned on her of what he was actually saying. That makes two of us, Doc, Fuller said and winced as he felt to inject him with something that instantly made him drowsy. Well, here goes nothing. Let's do surgery in a cave, shall we? She asked her now masked and gloved companions. The maid Fuller realised they'd most likely been planning to use their surgical skills as a way to barter their way into some settlements in which they could hide, which, to be fair, was a pretty good trade, as doctors weren't exactly common in the wastes, and that was the last thought that crossed his mind before everything went completely black. It could have been seconds or hours, unconsciousness passing for Fuller, as in the void there is no time. He dreamed no dreams, thought no thoughts, had no fears or loves. He simply was, one with the blackness until the light returned. When he gasped his first breath and snapped his eyes open, he went to sit up until an armoured hand appeared on his chest and held him in place. He suddenly found himself looking into Glory's rather handsome features. At some point she'd removed her helmet, but not her full of power armour. Easy there, big boy. The surgery was a success. And damn those buggers were dug in deep, weren't they? Glory said with a grin. Fuller took a deep breath and then lay back, looking over at the tray laid next to the makeshift bed. And he quickly counted the small devices. And they were all accounted for. With these devices out of him, his link to the ESF was finally severed. Now it was time for the true phase two. Unfortunately... It really wasn't time for him to relax and recuperate. So instead of a few shots of powerful painkillers and some regenerative agents, later Fuller was back in his power armour and they were back underway again. Now all he had to do was once again fake his death and he kind of had a plan for that just how to do it. He just hoped he could pull it off. So once they got the scientists and their synthetic allies packed up and the group headed back out into the waste of the glowing sea, Fuller gently guided the group slightly nearer to the lake, where he'd sent all the hopeful claw girls with the pissile. As he'd hoped, they were still hanging around, still searching for the elusive male claw. And as he hoped, as they passed by, they caught a whiff of the coating his armour had picked up when he released the canister, and now they began to follow them at a distance. Both Glory and Fuller were running security, and as they drew close, Fuller pretended to notice their tails. Hey, Glory, I think we've got a fan club, he said, and he pointed around. She turned around and saw him point at the column. 
and followed where he was actually pointing. You obviously noticed the glowing shapes in the distance all following in their footsteps. Oh, what the fuck? How the hell did they find us? She exclaimed. It's got to be my armour. I must have gotten sprayed when I fired off that canister. We can't afford to stop. Not here. We're too exposed. We're going to need to split up. Fuller said, and you could positively feel Glory looking at him like he was crazy through her helmet. You nuts! What are you going to do? She demanded. I'm going to lead them off while you get our friends here to the pickup point. They are what's important. They are the mission. And we're soldiers, Glory. It's our job to keep these civvies safe. So you take them off to the drop-off point and I'll lose my fan club here. Then we'll meet up with you as soon as possible. As soon as you get the drop-off, hit the flare. Don't wait for me. I'll be there when before the vertebird arrives. I promise, Fuller said. You could tell she really didn't like this, but she could see the logic in what he was, what he was saying. She walked right up to him and gripped the back of his helmet as he deactivated the Telslas just in time before he saw what she was about to do. You come back to me, you hear me, mister? She said and he nodded. Not going anywhere else, he said, and she bumped their helmets together. As she was heading off with their charges, he turned one last time, and her next words very really nearly wrenched his heart clean out of his ribcage. Hey, owl, she said, and he turned to look at her. I love you, she said, and with that she turned and walked away, making Fuller feel like he'd just been punched full on in the gut with the armour still on. As he walked away, Fuller was feeling a maelstrom of emotions swirling in his heart. It kept catching his heart, trying its hardest to talk him out of what he was about to do. But he couldn't allow it to happen. Just as much as it hurt like an absolute bitch, this needed to happen. And he needed to do it. As sorry as it was going to make him in the long run. As he left the sight of the group, he kept an eye on the claws in the distance. And they had changed direction to follow him. In a weird kind of way, it also felt kind of sorry for these girls. That despite being apex predators who would most likely kill you as soon as look at you, they'd done nothing wrong in this situation. They were just innocent girls looking for a boy to make eggs with. They didn't know any better. As soon as Fuller knew the claws were out of sight from the group and he saw the flare fly high into the sky, he took a deep breath. It was time to kick phase three into gear. And this one was going to be the worst one by quite a long shot. On his way out after landing, he'd been looking for a perfect spot to possibly carry out this next part of the plan. And given he hadn't met the claws yet, he hadn't quite factored them into it. And he'd been kind of now scratching his head as to how to carry this out. But now, all of pieces had just kind of fallen into place. It actually kind of felt like the universe was rolling him out to this, just to spite him. Fuller took a deep breath and initiated something he'd never in a million years figured he'd ever have to do. A little-known power-armor self-destruct system. Unknown, unbeknown to pretty much anyone in the Enclave, power armor's actually fitted with a self-destruct to stop it from being captured by the enemy. And it could also be used as a booby trap. But another fun fact, that once it was initiated, it couldn't be stopped. The only way to lessen the effect was to rip out the fusion cores, which would only then cause the armor's computer systems to destroy themselves, leaving it completely useless. But this time, it was going to go full nuclear. So once he th went through all the safety, are you really sure you want to do this shit routine? 
he hit the final countdown. He now had two minutes to get to a minimum safe distance before the suit went critical. Now all he needed was both an audience and a reason. So now he deliberately opened fire on the claws, missing them, but shooting near enough to them to get their attention. It worked beautifully, as the group of stunned claws were ducked for cover as the first shot went over their heads and now bellowed roars at him and began to run full tilt towards him. But Fuller was already out of his armour and running using a series of ruined buildings for cover so neither they nor Glory had actually seen him, which kind of hoped in a way that she but knew she wouldn't. She, he knew she would come running. And his instincts were spot on, because from his hiding spot he could see the telltale silhouette of Glory cresting a nearby hill, just as the claws bounced onto his armour and knocked it down, tearing into it, assuming that that was what fired at them. But it wasn't that that tore his heart out. It was the blood-curdling scream she let out a moment before his fusion cores went critical and detonated, starting a chain reaction and detonating the broken-down cars that were currently surrounding it, turning the whole place into ground zero as the whole place just vaporised in nuclear fire. Fuller's heart was completely destroyed by the sight of glory dropping to her knees as the remnants of his armour and burning bits of claw skeleton rained down on him, both him and her. But fortunately, Fuller didn't have long time to hang around as the rad he popped not long before doing this wasn't going to go, wasn't going to last long, and he didn't even want to think about how much radaway he was going to have to use to get rid of this shit. So, with a final gut-wrenching, silent goodbye to the woman he'd rapidly began to fall in love with, Fuller turned his back and began to slip away out of sight, heading for the edge of the glowing sea as fast as his legs could carry him. Every single step he took made him feel worse and worse. And he was damn sure it wasn't the radiation either. It was the guilt burning into his soul. Despite him knowing that this was for the best, he couldn't help but feel the pain radiating from Glory's heart, not to mention his own, as he moved along. But he would have to grieve later on, because his next big hurdle would be coming up, in the form of slipping past the ESF, or undoubtedly watching the outer edge of the glowing sea for his exit. But the boon in his favour was they were simply watching for a vertebird, not for an unarmoured man on foot. He heard the vertebird long before he actually saw it, and he eventually saw it glide overhead like a shadow into the distance, where it turned and lowered itself through the rad cloud towards Glory and the scientists, and they all boarded before it lifted up and headed out. As it passed by him in, from his hiding spot, just between some rocks on the outside of the rad zone, Fuller could actually see Glory manning the door gun, and even from here, and inside her power armour, he could feel the sadness radiating off her, and his own soul mirrored it perfectly in that moment. Now he hated himself even more than he ever thought possible. He had broken that innocent woman's heart into a billion pieces with his actions, and it gave his guilt a rightfully kick in the cunt for it and this guilt that came with it was rightfully his he silently swore to himself that once he was properly free he would try and make things right not that he could ever truly make them right with her as that would put her and the entire railroad in jeopardy 
as he had no doubt in his mind that the ESF would most likely try to infiltrate the railroad again in order to learn not only what had happened to him, but now to actually carry out his failed mission as well. This left him with a very limited window of opportunity to act. He had to find Seven and his people before they did. He had to ensure they were warned of what was coming for them. But that was only step one to making things right with the universe. Step two would be trying to figure out how to open his mind enough to embrace their way of life. That was working on the assumption that they'd be allowing them, allowing him to be among them. Because they could very well send him packing back out into the wastes alone. And really, who could blame them if they did? To them, he was not only an enemy combatant, but he was one of the very people tasked with tracking Seven down and handing him back to the fucker who had started all of this by trying to play God with the lives of innocent beings in an attempt to give the Enclave control over the country again through the fear of such beings that they could create. Just look at Seven himself. He was a human man with the power to level a city with nothing more than the power of his mind. And then there were others, like Number 8 and Number 9, who were shadowing his team. And none of them truly knew what they could do yet. But if they were going after Seven, then it must be very, at the very least his equal. All he knew is that he had to try. It would be his first step on the road to redemption. Because in his, his brief time with Glory had taught him anything. It was that her non-humans, like her, deserved life. And the chance to live it in peace. And right now, Seven and his people with the greatest chance of something like that coming to pass. So he had to find him. The biggest question running through Fuller's mind as he sat in his hole waiting for night to fall so he could silently slip out was where to start. So far, Seven had been a pretty elusive character, despite making such a splash in his wake. He was like the stories of that mysterious stranger who showed up out of nowhere to help those he deemed worthy in their times of need. Now, he could ask around a few of the settlements, but he knew that would draw unwanted attention to him. So he guessed that his only choice was really head north and do this the hard way. He was going to have to find where they'd entered the territory again and try tracking them from there. But little did he know that fate kind of had ideas for him and was currently rolling the dice. After night had fallen, he set off making sure that he stayed out of sight to things like the main roads and settlements. It felt kind of odd being completely on his own now, and naked no power armour to call to his back. No backup, no support, no one to call if shit went sideways. This was just him. Just him and his gun. After two days of travelling, he felt like he was sure that the ESF was off his back finally, as their attentions would now be focused both on the railroad and the glowing sea. Undoubtedly, they'd searched the death site by now. Thanks to his armour's self-destruct, there wouldn't be really anything left for them to really find, other than bits of pieces of burnt, twisted metal and a few body parts that'd be pretty much indistinguishable. Another thing they were most likely done was attempted to infiltrate the railroad HQ so they could get their hands on the combat report that Glory would have given to Desdemona that would have reported his death in the action in leading the claws away from their group before being attacked and overwhelmed causing him to initiate his self-destruct to kill the claws in order to protect the group. That line of thought brought him back to glory once again, and his heart began to ache again. But as he sat on an old bed in an abandoned apartment above a shop, lamenting on how he felt, his senses began tingling, a 
and he heard the sound of distant voices on the wind. Grabbing his gun, he set himself up with a line of sight onto the road leading past the houses and small shops. He'd be invisible from the outside thanks to the shadow in the room, and he had a clear view right down the road leading this way up. But what he actually saw made his mouthful open in shock. There was a group approaching, and they looked like the most mismatched collection of people you could have ever imagined in a million lifetimes. There were two large claws, though one of them looked rather odd, given that they both se- they seemed to have wings and feathers, while the other was a very large male. With them were some humans, one black-skinned female walking hand-in-hand with, a- with the feathery claw, Another man in a Chinese stealth suit seemed to be walking next to the big male claw. But it was the two that were at the head of the group that really caught his attention. There was another black-skinned human female who appeared to be riding on the back of what looked like some kind of spider centaur, with his top half being that of a human, albeit with some very like spider-like features, like mandibles and multiple eyes, but also very distinctly human features as well and a fully spider lower bottom half. Fuller's heart soared like a fucking easel on the breeze. It was them, or at least some of them. This was Seven's group. He'd found them, completely out of fucking nowhere. But where were the rest of them? As he counted, he realised there only appeared to be six of them, and that begged the question as to where the rest of the team was, and he couldn't see number seven among them anywhere. Had they split up or something? Or was this a scouting party? These questions and so many more needed to be answered before he could make his approach. So he'd have to tail them for a bit, see what kind of intel he could gather on them before he made his approach. So with a bit of work, he got himself into a position, and once they passed by, he could fall in step with them. But not only that, but maintain a suitable distance as to not be seen while eavesdropping on them. You know, when I joined up with this outfit, I never thought we'd wind up being detectives, or mercs. The black-skinned female was walking hand-in-hand with the feathery claw, said, and the woman on the back of the spider centaur laughed loudly. Yeah, I know what you mean. I think Seven would be proud of us. Shows we're willing to go out of our way to help people, don't you think? Even if those people are not human. Well, at the end of the day, isn't that what this group is all about? The rider said. I think it's a good thing. It shows normal everyday humans that not only are we not scary, but we can be really helpful if you let us, the spider centaur said in a surprisingly musical voice. Speak for yourself, spider boy, I'll have you know that I'm very scary, Claw, the large male said, puffing out his massive chest proudly as he struck a prose with his hands on his hips, trying to look evil and intimidating. Except when you're on the bed with your tail over your shoulder begging for more. Not so bloody scary then, are we? The male in the Chinese stealth suit said, making the group laugh, except for the male claw deflated and glared at him. We'll see who's begging who for for more later on, shall we, little human? The big male said, aiming a blatantly painful swat at his head and missing as the man dodged him nimbly while roaring with laughter. Oh, I got no shame in begging you, my love, because I know you haven't got it in you to deny me, so I get what I want, which is all of my big bad claw boy. The man said, dodging back and forth, appearing next to the big claw while embracing him from the side, making him humph before returning the embrace. The open display of affection and sexuality actually shocked Fuller. 
really did seem that this group embraced practising what they preached in the form of interspecies togetherness. And they really weren't shy about showing it either. Fleur really couldn't get over the surrealness of the situation he'd found himself in. He was full on tailing a pair of death claws, a giant spider guy, a collection of humans who were all talking about their love lives together as if it was nothing. It was the oddest scene he could have ever imagined in his life. But then again, wasn't it he who just had a love affair with a synth? So really, who was he to judge? That's when he noticed something on the ground. He looked down to only to appear to see what appeared to be ultra-fine strands of what looked like sticky silk glimmering in the sunlight. And as he tried to step over one, he failed to notice the two others that didn't shine in between the grass blades below it. And it appeared that the spider boy had been busy at a point confirmed a moment later when he whipped around on the spot to face him in the bushes. We've got a tail, there, in the bushes, he exclaimed, pointing at the bush that Fuller was currently hiding in, making his heart lurch into his mouth as the whole group, claws included, spun and fractured, spreading out around him. Come out with your hands up and leave any weapons you've got on you on the ground, otherwise I'm going to send our two scaly friends in here to drag you out. And trust me, you don't want that, the black-skinned woman who had been riding the spider boy yelled, she took up a firing position by a crumbling wall as the spider himself jumped up onto a rooftop on one of the shops to get a bird's eye view down onto him. Fuller cursed under his breath. He couldn't believe he'd made such a rookie mistake as to fall for a simple fucking tripwire. Still had no idea how the fucking spider boy had even managed to get it into the bushes ahead of him without him even so much seeing it. But then he didn't have much of a choice now, did he? So he made his Gaius rifle safe, placed it on the ground at his feet. I'm coming out. Don't shoot. I don't mean you any harm. Fuller called before stepping out and putting his hands up. He stepped forward into the light now. Instantly saw every set of eyes lock on to him, and with them came the weapons. And claws, as two death claws extended their claws just enough to make a point that was received loud and fucking clear. Make a move and you become human cutlets. Get down on your knees and interlock your fingers atop of your head, the black-skinned woman who had been walking with the feathery claw commanded as she circled closer to him with her weapon trained at his chest. These people were professional. He did as he was told. I'm going to frisk you. If you act stupid, see that hunk of feathers and scales right there? Well, he sees you. And trust me when I say his eyes will see any move you try to make before you can make it. So if you like hands and arms, keep them where you were told to, she said, and the feathery claw growled deeply as if to say, fuck around and find out how quick I am. Fuller kept his eyes forward as she patted him down and found nothing but his combat knife in its holster on his arm. She removed it and went to the bush and retrieved both his sidearm and rifle from where he'd laid them. She gave a low whistle as she came out carrying it. Now this is a fucking gun. No civvy would be able to afford a piece like this. So who the fuck are you and why the fuck are you following us? She demanded. My name is Ethan Fuller, former member of the ESF. That's the Enclave Special Forces to the Uninitiated. And I'm looking for number seven or number three, he said. And that got their attention. He's with the fucking enclave, the big male deathclaw snarled, menacingly flexing his claws as he glared at him. Oh, and what do you want with them? 
the black woman who had been riding the spider boy asked, to deliver a message to them that's of great importance, Fuller said, looking her right in the eye. What message? Speak, she asked. They are in great danger. The ESF is here, and they're hunting them and their entire team, which I know you were a part of, Fuller said. Why should we believe you? the woman asked, and Ethan sighed. Because I am a part of the team they sent to capture her, Seven and Three, as well as kill the rest of you. He said, which got more than a few snarls from the non-humans and humans alike. The woman held up her hand to silence them and walked right up to him. And why should we believe you? And why on earth would you tell us all of this? She asked. This was make or break moment for Fuller, but how the hell was he supposed to convince them of something like this? How did you just put a life-changing point into words like this? Because I've had a change of heart. I met someone in my duties while I was trying to find you, and she showed me the truth, a truth that I could not da- deny. And just I just knew that I had to do something. And this, this was really all I could do, he said, realising how hollow his world sounded and indeed felt. So who was this person you met? The woman asked, obviously curious now. She was a synth called Glory, who works for the railroad. That's the synthetic freedom network who frees synth slaves from the Institute. I've been with them for a number of days and our plan was to use them and their resources to find you guys by convincing them that you were using captured synthetic slaves so they would wind up tracking you down for us. And then we were going to hit you guys with the help of two of Seven and Three's former colleagues, Fuller said. Colleagues? What colleagues? the woman asked. Number eight and nine. Fuckers creep me the fuck out, but they're here to capture the pair of them while the rest of us were ordered to wipe the rest of you out. All Dr. Chalmers cares about is Seven and Three. The rest of you, she just wants you dead. Fuller said honestly, and the woman's face turned into a scowl and then into a snarl, like she'd suddenly discovered her mouthwash was actually weak old cat piss. Fucking charmers. Because of course it is. We need to get hold of Seven immediately. This shit changes everything, the woman said suddenly, and it clicked in Fuller's head. This was number three. You're three, aren't you? He said, and she shot him a dangerous look. I don't go by that name. While Seven owned his and made it who he is, I'm Wisp now, and don't you fucking forget it. Call me three again, and you'll find out exactly what having your head turned inside out from the inside feels like, Enclave boy. She snarled and Fuller felt an ice prick tickle his heart. Wait, you believe him? The other black woman said, sounding incredulous. Gonna find out now, but still needs to be addressed. We need to warn the other groups. If these fuckers are out there in the shadows, they need fair warning, Wisp said. Then, in a display of both beauty and terror-inducing power, she turned and streamed right out of the mouth, ears and nose of the black woman, before swirling around his head in a glittering cloud of gold and forcing his her way into his head before he could even blink. Fuller could actually feel her in his head, he was having like two minds in his skull at once, and he dropped onto his face, clutching at his head as the pain of 
having his mind forcibly rifled through like a fucking filing cabinet hit him. It was like having somebody swinging a bag filled with bells and nails into the inside of his skull. When she, finally she pulled herself free, Fuller stayed panting on the floor as the ringing in his head slowly began to subside. Wisp flowed her way back up into the woman's body, which she only now realised had not moved the entire time, making him realise it must be either a robot or more likely a synth body. So what's the verdict? The spider boy now asked, dropping down beside her and scuttling up to her. He's telling the truth. He's a former member of the ESF who infiltrated the railroad on their orders in order to get them to hunt us down. But he met a synth girl who kind of changed both his mind and his heart and he had to do something terrible in order to protect her. He faked his death, leaving, letting her believe that he's dead so that he could come and hunt us down himself. But not to hurt us, but to actually warn us of what's coming. And he also, and you're not going to believe this, he wants to join us, whispered looking up at him as he pushed himself up off the floor. Suddenly two very large scaly hands hoisted him up to his feet with zero effort and held him up off them. So he's for real, the big male claw said and wisp nodded. Indeed, he's one of us in heart and spirit and he's paid one hell of a price to find us. I'm sorry about Glory, despite how you tried to hide it, I felt how you felt about her. Pity it took her to make you see the truth, fella, but I'm glad you did, she said, looking at him with a much softer and actually guilt-looking expression now, maybe because of the pain she'd caused him. So what do we do now? We can't leave Valentine in danger, can we? The other black woman asked. Well, now that's the real question, isn't it? Wisp said thoughtfully. Ah, so that was chapter 85, ladies and gentlemen. And Fuller's finally found Seven's group. Or, well, rather, he's found three in the form of Wisp. But is he going to be able to get to Seven in time? Are they going to be able to get the word to the other groups? And is the ESF now going to move up now that they know that there's going to be a problem? And will they know that they've been compromised? Or will they have fallen for Fuller's ruse? Only going to be one way to find out the answer to them questions and so many more. Going to have to tune in next time. So until next time, this is Ghost Nobody signing off and saying, I'll see you next time.